guys, and welcome back to the FFP. Today, we're going to be breaking down our top 12 wide receivers in our 1.0 rankings. Couldn't be more excited about this. We've already gone through our quarterbacks and our top 24 running backs, so make sure to go check those out if you haven't. But I've been really waiting to get to wide receivers for a while. I think they're really fun to talk about. Of course, you know, there's some, some craziness and some inconsistency, and there's a lot, you know, just question marks. And I think that's what makes it fun to talk about. But uh, if you guys are watching us right now on YouTube, you might be on podcast, but if you're on YouTube, you can see we got Justin here joining us for his first video. Really excited about that. Do you want to introduce yourself or say anything? Oh, yeah. First off, I just wanted to say uh, I'm so excited to finally be here uh, after the last couple months and just kind of doing stuff behind the scenes. I'm really excited to finally be more active in these videos and, and, and be able to talk to you guys here. Um, you know, I've been doing fantasy football now for, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, something like that. I've uh, been the commissioner of a few leagues and I just really like digging in and, and, uh, and doing my own research. And, and I just love fantasy football for that and how much research you can do and, and find out about the players and, and all that stuff. So I, I really do have a passion for fantasy football and, uh, I'm thankful that they asked me to, to be here and be a part of the team here. So thank you. So we're going to look at uh, wide receiver rankings. This is so important when you do this. You need to know your scoring system. That changes everything, okay? Knowing standard, half PPR, full PPR, et cetera, you got to know your scoring system. So for our rankings here, we're going with full PPR for our wide receiver rankings. And one more final thing before we get to the first player with Christian there is uh, these are what we call our wide receiver ones based on the idea that the first 12, most league size are typically 12 teams. So these are wide receiver ones, not to be confused with tier ones. Now we do talk about some tier ones, but not everybody as a wide receiver one is a tier one wide receiver. So I think that's uh, pretty much it. All right. Why don't we get into our first guy? All right. Here at tier one and our wide receiver number one overall, we got to go with Devonte Adams. I'll be honest with you. This is almost boring to talk about because let's be honest. You all knew that he was going to go here. Number one. How couldn't he? He was not only the number one fantasy wide receiver last season, he was that by a long shot, and especially in fantasy points per game. We take a look at the fact that he averaged 21 and a half fantasy points per game last season. That is the most fantasy points per game that a wide receiver has averaged going all the way back to 1987 when Jerry Rice averaged, what is it, 22.7. Now, that being said, Jerry Rice only played 12 games, and he managed 22 touchdowns in that time frame as one of the greatest receivers of all time with a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, it's really crazy to be up there right with that number. So huge production from Devontae Adams. And it's not just there, really all across the board. Everything we look for, all of his stats, he was right up there, just elite, dominant numbers. In fact, one of the numbers I really like to look at in evaluating fantasy value is fantasy points per snap. It's a great way of measuring not just talent, but also volume and total usage in that offense. And amongst receivers, Devontae Adams was number one with 0.47 fantasy points per snap. Uh, I actually took a look at that, and the number two guy was Tyreek Hill. Devontae Adams outscored him in fantasy points per snap by 22%. He really was head and shoulders above everybody else. He also led all qualifying wide receivers in yards per route ran, yards after catch, and passer rating generated. Ultimately, I think we all know this pretty obviously, he was the best wide receiver last season. And I personally don't have any reason to believe that he is not going to be the best wide receiver again heading into this next season. Um, but continuing to talk about some things, of course, it wasn't just last year. We know how good Devontae Adams has been for a long time. Over the past three seasons, he's averaging 
121 catches a year for 1,466 yards and 14 TDs per 16-game season. So he has been just dominant and productive over the last few years. And why shouldn't he be, right? When you've got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, everything is in place for him to succeed. Um, the real two question marks are the two games that he missed last year and will Aaron Rodgers be playing for the Packers? One, we talked about this recently in one of our videos and you know we see, yeah, he's holding out right now. But to me, I, I'm gonna go out there and say, and I've said it before, I think Rodgers is gonna be playing for the Packers. I'd be really shocked if he didn't. Again, he even renewed his country club membership. Seems like a really odd thing to do if even he isn't confident that he's going to be playing for the Packers. Of course, still going to hold out, still going to try to get his money. But let's be honest, I don't imagine that he really wants to play anywhere else or else he'd do what guys like Russell Wilson did. I mean, Russell Wilson is known for being like the Seattle Seahawks. And even he came out and said, you know, like, if you were to trade me, I'd go here, here. And, and, and Rodgers hasn't done that. I do think he really wants to be a Packer. So addressing the other... Uh, the other minor concern is the injuries. Did miss two games last year. But look back over the last six seasons, he on average is missing two games a year. However, that's not as big of an injury concern for me as it is for most guys. One, they're the Green Bay Packers. And let's be honest, how many of those, you know, two games a year does Devontae Adams miss? Because they just sit him week 17. I mean, that's really it. A lot of the time, they just don't play him because they don't need to that last week and he misses a game. Sure, that is something to consider if you have a week 17 um, championship, but we've always kind of encouraged fantasy owners to avoid doing that. And then finally, the last thing I would say, like every player in the NFL has, he's had an injury here or there, you know, tweaked his hamstring, rolled his ankle, turf toe, whatever it might be, but he doesn't have reoccurring issues and he hasn't had major thing like an ACL, MCL tear that left him out for an entire season. So ultimately, I'm really not concerned about it. That's why he's here at number one. You know, not much to say there. I would say this. With all these tier one wide receivers, don't overthink it. You can get any one of these guys, you're going to be just fine, right? Like, it's kind of weird talking about you should draft them. Um, they're all great. All right. For the number two receiver we got in the list, that's Tyreek Hill. Rob, you got him? Yeah, I got Tyreek Hill. So let's look at him real quickly there. Um, three of the last four years, he's had over 1,000 yards receiving. One year he missed that mark. He only played 12, but that kind of pace did 1,000 yards receiving. Now, size-wise, he's 5'10". That's not what you call your prototypical big wide receiver. But finding pay dirt has not been an issue for him. Last three years, he had 12, 15 touchdowns. And then one year that he had the uh, injury year of 2019, he was on pace to get nine. So finding the right ones in the end zone, you know, pay dirt, as they say, hasn't been an issue for him. Last year, he was second in fantasy points. And in 2018, he was third in fantasy points among wide receivers. So he's not very big. Um, so what makes him so good? Well, speed kills. In this case, speed kills opposing defenses. He is very, very fast. In fact, some of him the nickname Cheetah. Uh, other players have talked about how quick he is. He ran a 4.29 um, 40-yard dash. Only a few other players in the NFL right now active are better than that. So that's John Ross, Henry Ruggs, and Marquise Goodwin, who, by the way, Goodwin is a track star. And so this guy's phenomenally quick. In fact, next-gen stats measure. They, they measure speed on the field with football, and he recorded the fastest ever speed with the football on the field during a, during a game, and it was at 23.24 miles per hour. Once again, that's full equipment. You know, you name it. He's not on the track. He's on grass, etc. The guy is very very fast. Um, but there is a difference between what we call speed and quickness. So he's got great, you know, straight line speed, as they say, but he's also really quick. He can make quick cuts, he gets separation, and that's huge. Once again, another facet to his game, very fast, very quick, very hard to cover. Um, he's also very athletic. You look at quarterback rating when they throw into 
in his career, quarterback rating when it's been thrown to him has been 118 for his career, but last year it was 126.9. That was a career best, so he's just getting better. The connection with Pat Mahomes is getting better as they go on. He's got a great quarterback. They've improved their offensive line. Do I have concerns? I was want to look at concerns, right? Um, one concern is drop percentage. Last year was a concerning 10.5% of throws he dropped. That's not good. Um, but he hasn't been plagued by drops his entire career, so let's just assume that's a one-off. You know, every once in a while, a good player like that will have a year. Let's just consider that a one-off and ignore that a little bit. Um, now, why was he not a first-round pick? He actually was drafted in the fifth round. If he's so talented, why fifth round? Why did he drop so far? Well, a lot of people said back in the day, this guy's got talent to be a first-round player, but he had pled guilty to a domestic violence, was sentenced to three years probation, um, felony actually, for uh, punching his pregnant girlfriend um, in the stomach and choking her. Uh, not something to, that uh, we take lightly in our society today. Obviously, a lot of red flags there. And because of that, Ohio State dumped him. He finished at Division II West Alabama. So obviously that's a concern. Uh, another concern maybe for a guy like him is does he lose a step? If you study players as they get older, usually the first thing to go is quickness or speed. Mm -hmm. That's usually the first thing that they lose there. Um, well, one, last year he still had excellent separation near the top in the league among wide receivers as far as getting separation, still very fast. And he's only 27 years old. So the guy's still young. He's got years ahead there. So I'm not worried about that in the next couple of years. Uh, another way guys can lose production, they look at is um, one, uh, touches. It gets spread around with too much talent. I.e., his example would give us the Buccaneers right over there, right? Yeah. They got so much talent. They got Evans and Godwin and Antonio Brown that sometimes the touches get spread out and lower their ceiling a little bit, okay? But I would say that after Kelsey, he's clearly the go-to guy there as far as targets go, so I'm not worried about that. And then the other concern sometimes why a guy can lose some touches or effectiveness is not enough talent around him, so opposing defenses will see double teams, safeties will drift over. But in his case, they got Kelsey, Edwards, Hilaire, those guys like that that I think keep defenses somewhat honest. And then the remaining wide receivers on there are good enough to be solid, but none of them stands out to the point they're going to steal, I think, uh, targets from him. Now, the only concern with Tier 1 wide receivers, and to me, this is really, generally speaking, unpredictable is injuries. You know, you never know. I mean, nothing more heartbreaking than to take that guy early and he gets injured, but it's hard to really predict that. You can't worry about that. And once again, in this case, there's nothing that would tell us that he's been predisposed for a lot of injuries. Um, and here's what I like about the guy, why he's such a high ceiling and why his floor is so high. Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes might be the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game. Right now, his career quarterback rating is phenomenal, number one of history of the NFL. Um, this is a guy that's great. He's got a strong arm. He can get the ball deep. He buys time in the pocket. He's athletic, elusive. And that's huge for players like Hill on these broken plays where he'll buy a second two in the pocket mm -hmm. and then hit him, yeah. you know, throw him backwards on one foot and not even looking. Like, he's the only quarterback in the NFL who can do that. But he's not specifically only good because of Mahomes. He showed his talent before with Alex Smith, that quarterback. You know, in 2017, he had a good year there. He just, his stats took a big jump when Mahomes took over. Um, in the back of my mind, you do have to wonder about off-field issues. Once again, we talked about that um, domestic violence charge, and there was allegations in 2019 about maybe abuse with his son, although uh, nothing came out of that. And at this point, you're innocent until proven guilty, and he's just far too talented to ignore. He's our number two guy. Anything that you guys want to add to that? Yeah, you know, how do you not love the touchdowns? We've seen phenomenal wide receivers, guys who are historically great like you know, like Julio Jones or guys like Mike Evans or, you know, Keenan Allen who have these great seasons but just struggle to find the end zone. Uh, you know who's never struggled to find the end zone? Tyreek Hill. And I love that consistent production because it doesn't matter what your league in. Standard league, PPR, it doesn't matter the scoring. I guarantee you touchdowns are still going to count for points since that's always really nice to have that security. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. With a guy that fast, how can uh, nobody can keep up with him? So, I mean, the guy is phenomenal. He's going to find the end zone. So, yeah. All right, why don't we get to our next guy? 
All right, Justin, I believe you've got our player number three, and I think that's Stefan Diggs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Stefan Diggs. Uh, so there's no question that he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Last year, with no training camp, no preseason, and, uh, and a new team to adjust to, he ranked 12th in receiving touchdowns, first in targets, first in receptions, and first in receiving yards in that season, which I think by itself is just a phenomenal uh, feat. Um, not only did he almost double his targets from uh, 2019 to 2020, but his catch percentage went up almost 10%. This shows that the connection between him and Josh Allen is just a far better one than he ever had with Kirk Cousins. Um, not only that, but he's just, he seems like he's happier, more excited to be at the Bills than he was in Minnesota. Uh, you can tell that he was kind of disgruntled being there. And so I think when you made that move over there, just the connection immediately to where that uh, he was able to go deep and that connection between him and his quarterback. Uh, his volume alone uh, is a good argument for him to continue to dominate, but that's not where it ends. He ranked fourth in catch, catching percentage among receivers that played more than 50% uh, of their team's snaps. Uh, Josh Allen's passer rating was 117.5 when he targeted Stefan Diggs, which that alone uh, speaks volumes. Diggs ranked seventh in yards after catch as well. So the guy not only can catch, catch deep, but he runs and, and avoids tackles as well after that. What it comes down to is Stefan Diggs was dangerous last year, but that was just the start of it. I truly believe that with a full offseason, training camp and preseason to prepare and to build chemistry with his teammates, mm -hmm. uh, Diggs could easily be the best receiver in the league. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, absolutely. And I see it both ways. One, he was so good last year that he really just has to repeat the success he already had. Um, but I love, and you know, him and Brady both did that thing where they go to a new team and there's no offseason, it's a mess, and they still manage to succeed. And it's hard not to imagine that they can't get even more well adjusted and have a better year. That being said, of course, defenses will also do the same. They missed a lot of time in preparation. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was the most receiving yards a player has ever had the year after being traded. Uh, again, I could be wrong on that, but I know he was at least really high up in that marker. And um, it does beg the question is, you know, we're all Vikings fans here. Like, do you think it was worth getting Justin Jefferson? We'll talk about him later on in, I believe, our next video. But, uh, man, uh, definitely a lot to talk about there. I wish we had all three of those guys right now. All right, next up on our rankings is DeAndre Hopkins. Christian, I believe you have him. Yeah, I do. So DeAndre Hopkins here, what are we at? Player number four right now, wide receiver number four, and still tier one, still phenomenal talent. Uh, so let's break it down. He had 160 targets for a 29% target share on his first year in Arizona. Absolutely took over that offense. And let's be honest, the improvement that we saw from the year prior to last year in Kyler Murray's production and his play and his maturity certainly, uh, I'd say, melded really well with the addition of an elite wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, who, by the way, right, he was very successful last year. Let's go back to Houston, right? I know a lot of people think that, okay, he had Deshaun Watson in Houston. There were many years where he was receiving for like 1,400 yards, and his quarterbacks were like Brock Osweiler and Matt Schaub. They were bad options. So one of the things I love most about Hopkins is really doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. He's got a big build and a, the ability to go up and make um, 
what we would call contested catches. So really, it almost doesn't matter whose quarterback is. He's just like Calvin Johnson in that way, where it's just like, get the ball up there. You'll find a way to come down with it. So uh, I want to break down Kyler Murray, though, because I do want to talk about the fact that Kyler Murray is a good quarterback, and he does add to Hopkins's value. In fact, if we go back to the first seven games of last season, Kyler Murray was number one in fantasy points among quarterbacks and had 20 touchdowns, which means he was on pace for a 45-touchdown season. Granted, seven of those 20 touchdowns were on the ground, not necessarily the most elite passer, but you take the fact that he's maturing in the passing game, he's getting better in that area, and he is deadly with his legs. He is extremely effective on the ground. You know what? Ultimately, that means the Cardinals... They're moving the chains. They're getting first downs. They're going down the field and they're finding red zone touches, which is huge for Hopkins's value. Again, that was up until week seven. In that week seven game versus the Seattle Seahawks, Kyler Murray had an AC joint sprain to his throwing arm and his shoulder. That really hurt him. And he wasn't quite the same after that. He was still good. Um, but he wasn't quite 100%. You know, he was maybe 90, 95. And so I'm excited to see him completely healthy for all 16 games. That is going to help Hopkins even more. Uh, if we want to talk about downsides, there are a few minor, though not major downsides, because he's a guy, huge PPR volume there, consistent as far as from season to season producing, not quite consistent from week to week. In fact, uh, you look at it, um, he was held to 55 or fewer yards in seven of his 16 games. Though again, it really should be noted that with that shoulder injury to Kyler Murray, that was many of those games where he was held to a few amount of yards and you add that health and it's going to mean a lot. Really, the only reason he comes in here at number four and not number one or number two or number three, and that's that he had just six touchdowns last year. With a few more touchdowns, he could move further up this list and be you know, the number one guy, but it's hard for him to compete with six touchdowns when Devontae Adams had 18, so here he comes at number four. Do you guys have anything to add to that? No, I'm um, good. All right. All right, so Rob, you are up again, and we're actually in tier two now with our wide receiver number five. Why don't you get going with, I believe, Allen Robinson? Allen Robinson, so uh, I don't mean to be braggadocious. <laughs> actually, I do. Uh, we had fantasy football props here. We need a little credit, okay? And here's what we need to have credit for. We've done this a few players. I remember Aaron Jones back in the day when there's a big argument between him or Williams. Um, another guy is Allen Robinson. So heading into 2018, 2019, he was falling to wide receiver three and wide receiver four in drafts in some leagues. He was falling that far as where he's getting drafted. And we said he's being terribly overlooked and undervalued. We looked at deeper metrics. We considered the situation he was in. And we went beyond superficial things. And we said, this guy's got tier one, wide receiver one type talent. He's capable of finishing the top 10 scoring. And we had a lot of people look at us like we're crazy. Uh, they thought we're insane. But I tell you what, lo and behold, I think he's verified that and he showed this is a real deal. Now, here's some notes we had from a video back in 2018. These are the notes we had on him going into that. Here's what we said. Uh, Allen combined for 153 receptions, 2,283 yards, 20 touchdowns between 2015 and 16. His rookie year, he was injured often, but the eight games that he played fully healthy, he was on pace for 1,000 yards. Um, he was a rookie who played on a bad offense, um, and yet you consider everything there. We talked about he's coming off an ACL tear um, back in this video, but he was still young at 25. He's got good size, no glaring weaknesses as a receiver. He's a complete package. That's what we said. We went on to say the only concern we have is Trubinsky. Then the year after that, 2019, head to that offseason, here's what we said. The last eight games, he averaged 76.5 yards. Over 16 games, that would have been 2,224 yards. And we actually said the year before that even though we liked him, 
We liked him even more going into that 2019 season. Boom, that's exactly what he did. He, he followed our trajectory exactly how we said. We've broken down perfectly. We're spot on. Can I actually add to that? Because I think that you were spot on and you actually knew about Allen Robinson before most people. Go back to when they were playing for Jacksonville and it was Allen Hearns and Allen Robinson. Do you guys like... Do you guys remember that a lot of people thought Hearns was the better wide receiver? I know you you weren't one of those people, but I do remember like that was kind of the expectation. Now clearly that that kind of opinion was wrong, but uh, it's one of those guys that you've been really hitting on for a while now, and just for some reason people just don't give him the credit that he deserves. Yeah, I'm sure some of it's the offense we played on. We'll talk about that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in the league seven years now. One year he's only played one game, so it's hard to count that one. But in seven years, he's had a thousand yards receiving three times. Okay, he's over 100 catches last year with the Bears. He's averaged that. Um, Pro Football Focus gave him the fifth best wide receiver rating last year. He finished ninth in fantasy points last year and seventh year before that. Um, there's some players you look at and you wonder how good could they be if they were on a good team or had a good quarterback. This guy's plagued, been on bad teams with bad quarterback play. All I need to say, Bortles and Trubinsky. Do we need to say anything more? Like, yeah. that's horrible. Um, both those guys are out of a job at this point. You know, I think uh, Trubinsky's backing up there in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm not sure where Bortles land at this point. Does it matter? Not so, really, no. Um, so this might be the first time he gets a legitimate franchise quarterback in fields. At least we know this about fields. He'll be able to get the ball downfield, get it deep. Now, if you look at the quarterback rating when they throw to Allen, it's not been great, but I chalk that up to bad quarterback play. Okay, But the one thing that he can control that's out of his control, once again, the quarterback play, but he can control drop percentage. In the last three years, his drop percentage has been fantastic. Last year, he dropped 0.9% of throws. He dropped one throw all year. That's it. Two previous years, it was only 3%. So this guy is solid, great hands, gets up, contested in traffic. It doesn't matter. This guy is money when you throw him the ball. Really solid there. One thing you did see last year is he disappeared sometimes in the early first half of games. But what happened when they started to target him, you know, forcing the ball to him there, he thrived when he was seeing targets. Now he's in the middle of some contract talks right now. And here's what I like. Here's what's happening. Okay, he's still focused on the season. People that are around Alan Robinson say he's got a great reputation. He's a pure class guy, a stand-up human being. He avoids drama, and he's football-focused. And I love that about a lot of players. A lot of wide receivers are prima donnas. I hate that. He doesn't seem to be that guy. He'll be 28, started next year. Still prime years ahead of them. He's exactly what you want in a wide receiver. Good size, 6'3", 220. He's got decent speed, a sub-4'5", so that's good there. Now, I don't see his catches going up or his targets because I think the Bears will want to find more balance there. Actually, had... He was third in the league in targets last year and the second year before that. So I think that number of targets could drop, but I don't think it'll drop significantly. But even if his targets drop and his catches drop, I think his overall production, because of proficiency, could go up. You know, I think you'd see the red zone more, get more touchdowns, and his depth of target will get better, leading to more yards after catch, so have better yardage totals. He's a very solid player, wide receiver one. You can't ignore the guy. I will say this, though. He does have concerns. Not him, but the team, the offense, and the quarterback situation there. So, um... His ceiling is somewhat limited compared to the guys that we've already talked about. Once again, very good, very safe floor, very solid, but not as good as the first four guys that we had mentioned. So, Yeah, it's so funny. You look at the four wide receivers we have ahead of him, throwing them the ball is Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, it's almost not even fair. It's like trying to win a marathon while doing a handstand. It's what, it, it's what it's like. But uh, um, that's it. Let's get to our next guy, number six. Next guy we got going here is DK Metcalf, and I think you're up on that one there, Justin. Yeah, DK Metcalf. He has had an impressive start to his career already. He has tallied over 2,200 yards and 17 uh, receiving touchdowns in just his first two years. In 2020, he finished seventh among receivers in fantasy points. He ranks sixth in receiving yards and sixth in receiving touchdowns. 
looking at this year with a new offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron. Uh, the new offensive scheme is aimed completely towards receptions and more yards after carry. Uh, so we should see an increase in yardage and receptions for both Metcalf and Lockett. Um, over the past two years, Metcalf has emerged as a pretty clear favorite uh, target for Wilson, especially on deep routes. It's very possible that in year three, Metcalf emerges as the number one receiver there in, in Seattle. The fact of the matter is that Metcalf has to get a little bit more consistent, though. He needs to stop dropping the passes. Last year, he dropped 11 passes, which ranked third among receivers. The, fir um, the first half of the season, Metcalf averaged over 20 fantasy points per game, and he found the end zone eight times. But if you go and look at the second half of the year, his fantasy average dropped to 12.5 points per game, and he only found the end zone twice. If Metcalf continues to work on consistency, and if the new offensive scheme works out as it should, we should see bigger numbers than we've ever seen out of Metcalf. I don't know what you guys think. Absolutely. It was a weird second half of the year last year for the Seattle Seahawks. And, and what I'd really say is we've never seen Russell Wilson ever struggle like that in his career before. And we shouldn't expect it to. He's played in the league for quite a few years now. Not, you know, he's not ancient, but he's played long enough that we can say like though, that stretch, that's not him. They got back to some things. They improved their offensive line. They're working out some just minor issues that they clearly had. Uh, I don't expect them to see those kind of issues again. That is important to note because a lot of people really sheepish about, uh, sheepish about the Seahawks right now. Yeah, you know, the only thing I, uh, I love DK Metcalf, he reminds me a lot of, we talked about this last year, David Boston, look him up, if young people out there, if you don't know who he was, great wide receiver for the Cardinals, came on, dominated, but he got so much into working out, he got so big, it actually slowed him down, and he lost effectiveness. Uh, Metcalf is known to be a, a beast in the gym, um, but I think that he's a guy that's uh, got so much talent, it's really unfair. You know, if you're a safety, he's too physical for you. Mm -hmm. If you're a linebacker, he's too fast for you. Like, he just creates so many mismatches out there, it's, it's uh, really tough to cover him. All right, why don't we get to our next guy? All right, next up, we have Calvin Ridley. Uh, Christian, I believe you have him? Yeah, so here we got Calvin Ridley, and we already have him ranked lower than he finished last year. Last year, he was the wide receiver five in fantasy scoring, and he did it in just 15 games. So that alone, you could argue maybe he needs to be bumped up a spot or two. Um, I don't necessarily think so. There are definitely concerns now that now that they have lost Julio Jones, but we'll, we'll address that right now and just get it out of the way. He played eight games without Julio Jones, and he averaged over 11 targets, over seven catches, and 107 yards a game, while averaging just shy of a half a touchdown per game. That totals to be about 20 PPR fantasy points per game. He was really good without Julio Jones. That being said, over a whole season, defenses will make adjustments. They will figure out what the Falcons offense will be without Jones. And he will see more attention from defenses as they're going to game plan and know for a fact that, of course, Julio won't be there. So it's not going to be quite as, as it was last year. Um, Definitely some concerns with that, right? You got to wonder, are they going to struggle to move the ball? Is he going to see some inconsistency? Of course, his volume is going to be huge, guys. He's going to be top five in targets. He's going to be top five in probably catches and a lot of other stats. And um, that's great. Again, the question there being like, are they going to struggle to see the red zone? Is he going to struggle against really good defenses because that added attention? And so I actually was looking at some things and yeah, I think it lowers his downside. 
certainly puts a little risk on drafting Calvin Ridley, but it definitely bumps up his already high potential and upside, at least by a little bit. One, the concern that the Falcons might have issues getting into the red zone. Probably not that big of a concern when you look at it. Last year, he finished top five in red zone catches, targets, and red zone touchdowns. So he was extremely effective as they got closer and closer. And you know what really benefits him? And this is the fact that historically dominant fantasy wide receivers have been the clear cut, hands down number one guy in their offense. Guys like Michael Thomas, boom, easily the number one. DeAndre Hopkins, easily the number one right now in Arizona. And he was easily the number one when he was there in Houston. And so when you look at, and there's plenty more, even like Devontae Adams, the list goes on and on. That volume matters. Yes, you want to not have defenses paying attention to them, but let's be honest, it doesn't matter. They are so good, defenses are already going to pay attention. Am I right? Is that what means? Is anyone really going to go like, hmm, maybe now we should cover Calvin Ridley? Like, they were going to do it anyways, all right? So ultimately, I think the volume is going to be there. I actually was more concerned about his touchdown potential before I did this research than I am now that I've done this research. Here's what I will say about him, and this shouldn't change how you draft him. It changes how you use him in your lineup. And this is that against good defenses in tough matchups, he could see some really bad weeks. However, in the right start at the right time, he's going to win you some games. I mean, he's going to be a guy to get you 45 points in a game. I mean that. So uh, that's my breakdown on Calvin Ridley. If you guys don't have anything to add, we can uh, move on to our next guy. Let's move on. All right, next up, we have Justin Jefferson. Rob, I believe you have him, right? Yeah, you know, a little whole town favorite here because we're Vikings fans. All three of us, born and raised in Minnesota, love Justin Jefferson. If you look at it, though, the Vikings have had a history of good wide receivers. Ahmad Rashad, Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Jake Reed, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Anthony Carter, you name it. And that continued last year. Uh, the Vikings lose Stephon Diggs. That was tough when he left. Obviously, he was a very good player there. And then, of course, he had a phenomenal year for the Bills. Um, we did get a first-round pick out of it, 22nd overall. And we used that to draft a wide receiver from LSU, Justin Jefferson. I think the Vikings won that exchange. I know it sounds insane, but think about this. One, he's much younger than Diggs. And also, his rookie season compared to Diggs, or, or really any uh, rookie wide receiver, is phenomenal. He had 88 catches and 1,400 yards. That's second among yards in the history of wide receivers that are rookies. I think you're going to show a stat or put some up there to show some. Yeah, I'll guys. just put the graph up. It's always nice to see it rather than hear it. So if you're on podcasts, too bad, I guess. But uh, you can always go check out the YouTube if you want to see any of that. Okay, I took away the first two games of the year. His first two games, he didn't look that great. Uh, wasn't that stunning. Maybe we chalk it up as a rookie, Justin, the NFL. Once again, like you talked about, Justin, they did miss a lot of the preseason. It was a weird year with COVID. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it was uh, Cousins who needed trust in, build time and rapport. Who knows? But the next 14 weeks, weeks 3 through 17, right, Pro, uh, Pro Football Focus gave me second rating behind Devonta Adams. Okay? In those same games, he was first in yardage. Even though he had significantly less targets and catches over established wide receivers. He was phenomenal down the stretch there. He had great yards after the catch. He was six amongst wide receivers, yard after catch at 5.4 yards. Quarterback rating when thrown to 117. He only dropped 3.5% of his throws. He's got decent size, good speed, 4.43 year 40 yard dash. Uh, here's what they said about him at the combine. Here's how a lot of extras broke him down. They've got a great initial burst off the snap. He's slippery through traffic and redirection in space. We saw that a lot last year. He'd find himself so wide open at times. I'm like, is anybody covering this guy? Mm-hmm. It was great to watch. Um, he had separation on routes, release from line of scrimmage. He's great getting that separation. He's an instinctive pass catcher. He adjusts 
well to track down throws and uses his body to shield it from the defender. Uh, I love watching that also. He's uh, very athletic. He'll make twisting, uh, twirling, midair adjustments look easy. Ridiculous catch radius, helps the quarterbacks. He's got quick hands and anticipation coming out of breaks. He's got good leap and length to attack the ball at the high point. Once again, all these things you love to see, and we saw that on full display. Now, here's what's weird. Coming out of college, some people said that he had to work on his route running. That person's either high or he made incredible progress graduating college and making it to the NFL because he's actually considered now one of the best route runners in the NFL. Well, it's so funny that you should say that. It's I'm just going to put it out there. Some people just need to quit running their mouth. You feel like rookies come in the NFL and they just guess. Uh, that guy's not smart. I've never met him before. I just would like to make an opinion. Because um, it's funny, even Adam Thielen said that he is one of the most mature route runners. In fact, he even said, talk about how good he is at reading a cornerback and adjusting his route to do so. And he said that it only took him like three or four weeks to learn how to do that to this elite level. Yeah, they talk about his route running. They'll say he's patient but sudden. Meaning that he'll look like he's in slow motion, but he'll just explode out of his break, and that's why he gets a great separation. Now, Cousins is solid uh, quarterback, so I think that helps. Colin Cousins is not great, but he's a decent quarterback. Um, Adam Thielen offers a little bit of protection, so he doesn't see too many double teams. Now, he did benefit last year from volume because, sadly, the Vikings' defense was horrible. 27th in yards allowed, 29th in points allowed. Very unlike Zimmer, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Zimmer's defenses have always been good. He's been known to be a defensive guru. I do think that the defense will rebound a little bit. Zimmer's going to make sure that defense gets better. They're healthier now. They made some nice offseason moves. Um, that could mean less volume, but it doesn't matter. This guy's got out-of-the-world talent. You can't ignore Justin Jefferson. And by the way, if you have him in a dynasty league, man, you have to love life right now. Yeah, absolutely. Justin, do you have anything you want to add to that? or No, I mean, I love Justin Jefferson. Uh, I was excited. Obviously, he said we're all Vikings fans here. So I was excited to see him just explode last year. And I'm definitely going to be looking for him in the draft uh, as a possible steal. Yeah, we're definitely huge Justin Jefferson Vikings fans. If any of you guys just want to like send us like a signed jersey or something, that'd be cool. Just <laughs> nothing much, just something little like that. But uh, let's get to our next guy. All right, Justin, why don't you give us your breakdown for our next guy, Michael Thomas? Yeah, Michael Thomas. Uh, for most of you who drafted Michael Thomas maybe pretty early in the draft last year, uh, it was nothing short of disappoint disappointing. Uh, coming off a great season in 2019 where – uh, he had he recorded 149 receptions and over 1,700 yards receiving. Um, we had we all had high expectations for him in 2020, but that's not exactly what we got. Uh, he came in week one and got hurt with a high ankle sprain, and that caused him to miss four games. And then when we thought he was going to come back, uh, he ended up getting suspended for fighting with a teammate, and, and so yet again missing another week. And then he returned again and uh, pulled his hamstring, which caused him to miss an additional two weeks. Um, so it's like the first half of the season's gone. And, uh, and when he finally returned, he was not really consistent, and that's to say the least. Uh, I mean, he had a couple games where he had eight receptions or eight, eight or more receptions with over 100 yards. Um, but the majority of them were under 100 yards and uh, five or less receptions. It, it just it wasn't very consistent. And we, you never really knew if you wanted to start him or not. That being said, if his health holds up, uh, he has a pretty good opportunity to bounce back in 2021. Uh, now, this might be a challenge because Drew Brees did leave, and uh, so that'll be a change there. Uh, but that'll also mean, I believe, they're going to they're gonna lean on him heavily to, uh, to keep that offense moving. So um, if he stays healthy, he could see a lot of volume this season. Yeah, Absolutely. 
you know, I think a lot of people wonder, okay, Drew Brees isn't there. Is the quarterback situation a concern? Like, let's be honest. And we talked about it. We mentioned it earlier. DeAndre Hopkins performed great with Brock Osweiler. Allen Robinson certainly hasn't had a great quarterback situation. When you are able to play at the level that a guy like Michael Thomas is able to play at, it's not as big of a concern. And he certainly doesn't have the worst quarterback situation to be in. I mean, we've talked about this before. And Rob, in fact, do you have anything you want to add? Because I know you recently talked about Michael Thomas. Yeah, we talked about it in our bounce back video, and we said, yeah, we think he's going to bounce back. Probably not to his record-setting year, but definitely to a, a Tier 1 wide receiver one. In fact, his best two games last year, we had over 100 yards receiving, were not when Breeze was quarterback, but uh, uh, when Hill was there. So once again, we broke that down. If you want to know more details, you can watch our bounce back video. But yeah, I think he's going to be just fine. In fact, uh, you could easily consider drafting him higher than number nine. He's got that sort of talent if everything falls into place there. All right. Now we got Keenan Allen, and that's you, Christian. Yeah, so here we got Keenan Allen. Here's a guy that, how are you not excited about him right now with the quarterback situation that he has? Justin Herbert has to be one of the youngest, most exciting quarterbacks in the league and certainly looks to be the foreseeable future face of the franchise for you Chargers fans out there. Things are looking great. Uh, ultimately, his 31 passing touchdowns as a rookie was not only the rookie record, it was the rookie record by four touchdowns, and he did it in just 15 starts. One of those starts wasn't even supposed to be the start. Remember the mess with Tyrod Taylor's injury, and then he gets the shot, and the idiot doctor punctures his lung. Like, just it was a whole mess. He has to step into that, and he, he really performed well in that situation. So, Great situation for Keenan Allen with his quarterback. We're going to see even more development from Justin Herbert, who really looked a lot better the final game than he did the first game, so it was nice to see that. Um, but ultimately, the numbers are there. There are certainly some minor concerns, so let's uh, do just kind of a statistical breakdown. He finished fifth in targets. I love the volume. The concern is he finished 17th in yards and didn't even hit 1,000-yard receiving yardage mark. So that is definitely a minor concern. However, he did it in just 14 games, so you can't be too worried about that. I mean, those extra two games, he would have easily gone over 1,000 yards. And you know what, guys? Not every wide receiver in the league needs to be catching 15 yards per catch, right? I mean, he's a guy, he's going to run more slant routes and drag routes across the field. He's going to make short catches, and that's okay. The volume is still there. The numbers are still there. So, you know, again, not every guy has to run fly routes. There's more to football than that. You know, let's get that kind of out of our heads because we get excited about the Tyreek Hills and we're kind of down on these types of wide receivers sometimes. But ultimately, again, the numbers were still there. He finished 12th in fantasy scoring in just 14 games. In 16 game span, he would have finished 6th. So that's pretty darn good right there. He saw 10 plus targets in 10 of his 14 games. Again, backing up that volume. Volume is everything, especially at the receiver position. So ultimately, he was 7th in fantasy points through the first 8 games, but only 17th through the final eight games. There was, again, we talked about earlier with the uh, with the Seattle offense and a lot of other situations, like your first half of the season won't look like your second half of the season. Having an eight-game span that's not great is, is okay. It's going to happen. You cannot be the wide receiver one every single week. And even then, that tends to be his floor. If your floor is the wide receiver 17 overall, yeah, I'll take that safety and consistency. Uh, speaking of safety, and the thing that I really want to address is the injury concern. Everyone is always concerned with Keenan Allen's injuries, but take a look back at it. 
Uh, you can look back over the last three seasons he has played, or excuse me, uh, over the last three seasons before last year. So 2017, 2018, and 2019, he played all 16 games. Last year, he played 14 games, but ultimately he had a tweaked hamstring and missed a single game. And then he missed week 17 because of COVID protocol, couldn't play because he got in contact with somebody who had it. So you really can't even count that. He ultimately played 15. And I tell you what, if I were in a dynasty league and I had a player that is a wide receiver, one talent with top five volume, and you said over the next four years, he's going to miss you one game, one game for injury. I'm going to take that right there. So let's get rid of the misconception that Keenan Allen is a injury prone wide receiver. He had some injuries earlier in his career, but he has proven to be very healthy over the last few years. Yeah, his uh, injuries early on, I think it skewed his value. In fact, you're right, he got hurt a lot early in his career. But a lot of people then overlooked him because of it. If you look at his metrics early in his career, he was phenomenal, actually. Mm -hmm. His catches per game were phenomenal. So once again, he's a guy that I think is very solid floor and often overlooked. All right, Justin, why don't you kick us off? I think we're at wide receiver 11 right now, and you've got Amari Cooper. Yeah, Amari Cooper had an interesting year. I mean, uh, he put up really good numbers already, but let's take a look at why it was even more impressive. Um, if you look at his quarterback situation there in Dallas, it was not great. Obviously, Dak, he played five games, got injured in that fifth game, and he had to deal with Andy Dalton, who is not the worst quarterback by any means, but he is not consistent. Um, so let's look at the numbers here. In the nine games that Dalton started, his pass rating was only 87.3. But in the five games that Dak started, he had a pass rating of 99.6, which is quite a bit better. Um, on top of that, he had one game with Ben DiNucci at the helm where he completed only half of his passes, just overthrowing, underthrowing, and a quarterback rating of 67.8. And, uh, and then also one game with Garrett Gilbert, who honestly, I don't even know who that is. Uh, where he also only completed half his passes and a QBR of uh, 72. Uh, so just not great. With that said, Cooper was still able to put up good numbers with over 1,100 yards receiving and five receiving touchdowns. Uh, he also had a 98.2 uh, passer rating when he was targeted, even with um, all of that going on. That's a, a especially impressive. Uh, in 2020, he ranked ninth in receptions, 12th in receiving yards, and 12th in yards after carry with 408 yards. Uh, with Dak returning this year, he should be a favorite to lead the team in targets. It's very possible that Amari will have a career season, and he should be looked at as a low-end receiver one, high-end receiver two in your fantasy teams. All right, next up, and the last one for the video is Terry McLaurin. I believe, Rob, you have him? Yeah, you know, the guy's 25 years old. He's a must-have in dynasty leagues. Um, I got a mad crush on this guy. I love him the moment he came into the league. In fact, you talked about getting a jersey earlier, you know, Jeff yeah. Justin Jefferson. I want a Terry McLaurin jersey, even though I'm a Vikings fan. I love this guy. A hit and Allen Robinson, they, they're plagued by the same issue, bad quarterback play. But he's going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is a quarterback upgrade over what he's seen. And we have to see really how talented he is this year. This guy's got everything going for him. He's everything you want in a receiver. He's got good speed. He's strong. Because the two of them, he's got good yards after catch. He finished fourth among the wide receivers of the yard after catch. So very good there. Um, I love this guy's attitude, his work ethic. He's been spending the offseason working with Doug Baldwin to improve his route running. And Baldwin, if you look back at his career, was really good. He was known to be tough. He had great technique, reliable hands. Um, and yet, Terry McLaurin is far more gifted than Doug Baldwin was. And that is great when you consider the fact that a lot of experts actually think he's already a good route runner. So the fact he's putting in all that hard work and drive to consistently get better, um, this is what you want in a guy, once again. Endless wants to improve, get better. He's very teachable, coachable. I love him. 
Uh, he came out of Ohio State. He was six foot, two hundred eight pounds. And immediately when he got to Washington, the coaches just talked about how great he was in rookie camp. They said he was impressive. He had speed, the ability to get out the ball, make jams, get downfield. He was tough to throw to. He was fast and big. Um, and in our preseason video that year, we actually highlighted that he was a rookie that you had to watch for. He was going to have a good year, and we were spot on with him. He's been great from the moment he came in the league. Um, we go all the way back to college. For everyone knows some things about him. Back in college, he was first in 2018 when they call marginal efficiency. And here's what that is. It takes into account not just your catches, but the difficulty of your catches based on down and distance. For example, if you catch a 10-yard completion on a third and eight, that's better than a 12-yard completion on a third and 20. And he was first in college for that. Um, he had a high rate for marginal explosiveness that measures kind of how successful your targets are. And he had combined both of those, and he was, uh, once again, number one amongst receivers in FBS. Um, traditional was like McLaren, too. He averaged 14.3 yards per target. That was first in his class. The combine, he did great in the combine. 4.35, 40-yard dash, 225 pounds. He bench-pressed 18 times, strong, like I said. Broad jump, 125 uh, inches. Once again, he's a complete package. His rookie year had over 900 yards receiving in 14 games, was on pace for 1,000, and last year he had 1,118 and 29 more catches, finishing with 87 in 15 games. Um, he does carry greater value in dynasty leagues. In redrafts, um, he might drop out of the top 12, and that might be just about based on news that we get or reports between now and the start of the season. But I tell you what, in dynasty leagues, he has to be top five or six among wide receivers, hands down. Currently, his average draft position is number 12. And we have talked him up for two years. Now people are finally catching up to how good this guy is. So you're probably not going to steal him as a sleeper this year. But once again, very solid. Love this guy. Yeah, absolutely. And all I'm going to add to that is don't underestimate the addition of Fitzpatrick at quarterback. They finally got a guy who, you know, is he Pat Mahomes? No. But can he stretch the field? Can he make more plays and be a better guy under center than Terry McLaurin has had to work with in the past? Absolutely. And that is seriously going to add to his development on top of the fact that he's already getting better. So anyways, thanks for joining us today for our wide receiver watch. We're going to be doing a mock video coming up, I think, in a couple days. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully we'll do a mock draft video, and then after that, maybe we bounce back with our next 12 wideouts. Yeah, here's how you can help us once again. It's slightly get back with you that you're off to kind of recoup, do a few things, make changes, add some people. But one, here you can help us, man. Subscribe, like, make a comment, share with your friends. Love to reconnect you guys. We miss so many of you. Thank you for following us. Add Fastball Profits. God bless and take care.